everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Madison Ford. Thank you all for joining me. We are counting down to Beyond the Veil's one-year anniversary. I can hardly believe it. We've got a couple of episodes planned for the occasion, which you'll see coming very soon. Whether you've been with us since the beginning, or if you're just joining us now, we're so glad that you're here. Today's interview is with Sarah. Sarah and I had a wonderful conversation about her relationship with the Potter series, how her Hufflepuff sorting helped her find her identity, and more. Let's dive in. Beyond the Veil, everybody. Uh, today on the show, we have Sarah. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so starting off, uh, is there anything that you'd like to share about yourself to everybody listening? Sure. Um, my name is Sarah. I'm 20 years old. I'm a college student. Uh, my major is sort of in flux right now. I'm in the process of changing it. I was a computer science major, probably going to be math now, but that's still a little up in the air. Um, and I'm a history minor. Um, I am from Connecticut. Um, I guess, I don't know if we're doing like a one fun fact thing, like the first day of school. Uh, <laughs> I play a couple of instruments. I play the French horn and the mellophone and I picked up ukulele a few months ago and that's been really fun. Ooh, <laughs> the, I'm betting you're pretty busy right now if you're playing instruments and doing college. That sounds like a... I'm, I'm actually taking a semester off right now for various mental health reasons. But yeah, I suppose that does keep me busy at school. Oh, definitely. Well, I'm glad you're taking time off. That's good. It's important to do that. Definitely. So uh, what sort of Potter-related information would you like to share with everybody? Uh, I am a Hufflepuff, very proudly so. Um <laughs> I, uh, my Patronus is a dolphin, um, which, uh, I was very excited about when I took the Pottermore quiz because I actually had been saying for like a couple of years previous that my Patronus, Patronus was a dolphin. Um, and so like getting it on my first try without even knowing that that was an option was like so exciting for me. <laughs> wow. Um, and then my wand is a silver limewood uh, wand. I think it's 10 inches with a unicorn hair core. And I love reading all of like the little bios for the Wandwoods on Pottermore. I believe in the Silver Lime one, it specifies that it's like um, kind of rare and like sought after. And so they said like other wand makers would like make imitation Silver Lime and like because it was so valuable. And I just I just think that's really neat. So yeah. much fun to learn little things like that about, you know, the world building and stuff. Absolutely. It's fascinating. So I guess, when did your Potter journey begin? When did you first come in touch with the Potter series? Um, so it started with my mom, I'd say. Uh, my mom has loved Harry Potter since, well, pretty much since I've like been alive. Because uh, so around when the first movie was coming out, my mom was working for Kraft Foods. And they were one of the companies that was up for one of the um, brand, the, the the single brand deal that Sorcerer's Stone was going to do when it released in America. Um, and my mom was working on that marketing campaign. And so she had to read Sorcerer's Stone uh, for work. And she, my mom is a big reader, but she was like, I guess, fine, I'll read this kid's book. Absolutely fell in love with it. Bought all of the books as soon as she finished. 
um, and like read all of the rest of them as soon as they came out. Um, my mom has absolutely loved Harry Potter since then. Um, and she tried to get me into it when I was probably around in first or second grade. Uh, but being the kid that I was, I was like, that's a mom book. That's lame. I'm not going to like that. It's going to be boring. Um, and so I avoided it for a long time until like later in elementary school, my friends started to get really into it. Um, and around the summer of like fifth grade, which would have been 2010, um, my uh one of my best friends I was going to camp with her and like every single day she would beg me like you have to read Harry Potter you have to read Harry Potter you're gonna like it so much you have to read it and eventually I was just kind of like ugh, fine I guess more or less <laughs> to like get her off my back um and so you know my mom being the fan that she was was so excited gave me her first copy was like go for it uh and kind of the rest is history I picked up Harry Potter that one day in you know August of 2010 and I immediately became completely obsessed. I was never a super fast reader. Uh, so it took me until about March of the following year to finish the whole series. Um, but, you know, I was I was completely invested from then on out. And also my mom got my grandmother into it. Oh. And that year uh, was the year that uh, the Orlando uh, theme park opened and when my grandmother heard this announcement she said verbatim I refuse to die without seeing the Harry Potter theme park um, <laughs> and so for her 80th birthday that year we went to Orlando all of us on this side of the family uh, and I had read enough of the books at that point to like get a really good experience out of it and so it was just nice to kind of have it as almost a family tradition um, and to be able to kind of relate to a lot of my family in that way was just like, it was just so much fun. That sounds so, that sounds like fun having such a like, there are so many, you know, foundational parts of our relationships with our family and that Harry Potter could be part of that for you. That's just so cool. I really, I love that. And your mom working on that campaign for craft, what a, I didn't know about this. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, I think the two companies that it came down to were like Coca-Cola and Jell-O. And my mom was working in marketing for Jell-O at the time. And Mm -hmm. Coca-Cola did end up getting it. But even though Kraft didn't get that deal, they did still get my mom to read Harry Potter. And that's the important thing at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So as Harry Potter has kind of been a part of your family life, um, You know, it's been with you for a very young age, especially since your mom liked it so much. So in your submission, you mentioned that Harry Potter has been there for you in a number of ways. And so I'm just curious to know, um, starting off, you said that the Potter books helped you make friends. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I guess like right after I got really into Harry Potter, so like, um, just for clarity's sake, in the, the middle school in my grade is just seventh and eighth grade. So like sixth grade was the last year of elementary school. And I had all of my close friends with me all the time. And it was so much fun. And then I moved on to middle school and one of my best friends moved across the country and I didn't have any classes with any of my friends. And I wow. was really kind of blindsided by that. And I felt really lonely for the first time in a long time. Um, because it was so hard to kind of get in contact with my friends um, and like not having them there on a daily basis was um, difficult for me 
And so, like, I remember the one friend I really made at the beginning of that year was a girl who I had known for years, who had gone to elementary school with, who I had kind of a on and off relationship with. She was like kind of like a friend of a friend and we saw each other and I had been to her house and we were in the same Girl Scout troop. Um, but she, I believe, had some mental health issues of her own that she hadn't addressed. And so like that relationship for me was kind of, was a little rough just because we were extremely different people and she was clearly dealing with some stuff and um, did not work it out in a very productive way. Um, and so that was a kind of toxic relationship for me to be in at that time. But what ended up happening was because we were essentially each other's only friends to speak of, what happens in middle school is if you sit alone at lunch, the lunch monitors make other people sit with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and so with the two of us at a lunch table for eight, lunch monitor was like, oh no, this won't do. And so she made some girls from another table sit with us. And um, one of them was a friend that I had made in religious ed a couple of years prior. And she and a couple of her other friends came over. And one of them is one of my closest friends to this day. Uh, wow. <laughs> because we, we immediately clicked over Harry Potter. Because at that point, like Harry Potter was the first thing that I had really become obsessed with. Like it took over my life as soon as I got into those books. Um, it was like I, I lived and breathed Harry Potter. And so it was the only thing I ever talked about. And as soon as I brought up Harry Potter at this lunch table, this person was like, oh, you like Harry Potter? Me too. And I was like, you're my friend now. Um, and we have been very close ever since. And it's all thanks to Harry Potter. And I really don't know if I would have had as like, you know, middle school isn't great, but I definitely got through it a lot easier having that friend there with me to bond over something that I, that was such, um, that was so like integral to my uh, identity and my kind of personality at that time. Absolutely. Well, and with, you know, being, I mean, the age of middle school is difficult as it is. Um, but then with having your friend move and then not really, you know, being around a lot of your friends that you knew, um, I'm certain that it was probably uh, difficult at that time. And you mentioned in your submission, you described that your identity is kind of crumbling as you knew it. Um, so can you go a little more in depth on what you mean by that, you know, what was that time of your life like and how did the Potter books help you find yourself out of it? Yeah. So another kind of big part of my life going into middle school was I, I was always uh, the smart one. I had perfect grades. I was literally called a computer and a robot by a couple of my teachers in a positive way uh, because I got such good grades all the time that that meant I obviously wasn't human. Um, and I loved that at the time because I loved being known as the smart girl. I wanted everyone to know that I was smart and that I was proud of it. Um, and it was a really big part of my identity was that I was a really good student. And when I got into middle school, I, I have always had problems with procrastinating and time management. Um, and I found out a couple of months ago that that's actually due to ADHD. Um, but uh, I've always had problems with time management. And so as my work started to become more independent, uh, when I got into middle school, my grades started to slip 
because I wasn't finding school as easy as before. I couldn't go through everything effortlessly. I actually had to study for tests. Um, and that was when I started to say, think things like, you know, like, if I'm not the smart girl, who am I? You know, I would get a B minus on a pre-algebra test and come home crying because it was so, it, it felt like so out of character for me to not get good grades that I didn't really know what to do with myself because I wasn't doing the thing that I had said was my personality essentially for years. Um, and the way that uh, Harry Potter kind of factors into that is that I, um, with a lot of Harry Potter fandom comes, you know, house sorting is really big in Harry Potter. And I had flip-flopped between Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw for a long time because I loved learning and I loved being smart, but I also really valued being kind and being open-minded and being honest and loyal and all of the things that Hufflepuff stands for. And at this time, you know, as the part of my identity that was about my intelligence and my, like, academic success started to become less, um, to become, like, less firm, I started to really kind of embrace saying, I am a Hufflepuff, I'm proud of that. Because it was a way for me to kind of, it was a way for me to identify myself in a way that didn't only put stock in my grades and my intelligence level. And obviously, like, getting not even subpar, but like normal average grades didn't mean that I wasn't smart. But being able to find something with which I could identify that didn't just say I was the smart one was really powerful for me um, at a time when I was so scared of like losing essentially myself um, because my grades weren't what I kind of expected them to be. And so being able to say, I'm not just the smart one, I'm also kind and I'm honest and I value friendship and hard work and loyalty. Um, was really important to me. That's, I really love that because I think sometimes there's a perception that looking at your identity through a Hogwarts house can sort of pigeonhole you into this one trait or these very few traits. But it sounds like in your case that it expanded your vision of who you could be as a person. Absolutely. Especially because at that time, that was around the time the first Pottermore sorting test came out. And I got sorted into Ravenclaw the first time around. And that was not fun for me. Because oh, I was because no. I, I, I had like, taken all of like the tests online that people made. And I, every single time I got Hufflepuff, and then I got Ravenclaw and the Pottermore test. And I was like, Nope, nope, that's wrong. You're wrong. And I think what ended up happening was, I'm kind of convinced that at that time, I was a Ravenclaw, but I loved kind of the idea of Hufflepuff so much that I ended up kind of morphing myself into a Hufflepuff over the years because then when they revamped the test a few years later and I took it I got Hufflepuff so like I feel like um the kind of idea of having those be my um most valued traits um and like my core values as a person kind of made them that way uh 
So like, I believe that house sorting is a, is, is flexible in that way. Definitely. I definitely agree. Well, I'm, I love that. I, I love, I'm glad to hear that it was that it gave you that positive experience, especially in creating an identity. Um, and so in addition to, you know, Hogwarts sorting and finding your place in becoming a Hufflepuff, you mentioned that you found an online community at some point where you felt like you could really be yourself. And I'm just curious to know what that was like. Yeah. So like, as you know, I was born in 1998. And so I am, I like to say I'm a child of the internet. So like, (laughs) as soon as I got into Harry Potter, my first instinct was more or less to get online and see what I could read, what kind of games I could play, what kind of videos I could watch. And I completely immersed myself in the online culture of the Harry Potter fandom, which um, was, you know, this was late 2010, early 2011, was thriving at that time. Um, And it became a real kind of haven for me because, you know, I had friends in real life who also really loved Harry Potter, but I was kind of on a different level, um, I felt like, because they were all into like, yeah, let's talk about Harry Potter stuff. But when I would say like, hey, you guys should listen to this wizard rock or you guys should read this fan theory I found, they'd be like, okay, what? Um, And they'd be kind of like confused and like not really as into it. And so um, finding online Harry Potter content kind of filled that gap for me. Um, And I, you know, because I was so young, I was wary about privacy on the internet. And so I didn't really talk to people very much in like forums or things like that. Um, But so like, I never had a really strong like online kind of friendship, but just being able to kind of be an observer of that community still made me feel like a part of that community anyway, because It was more like I saw people who were like me. I really related to a lot of the people I found on like YouTube and people who wrote for various websites and things. Um, Even though, you know, most of them were a lot older than me, I definitely would like see people like talk about Wizard Rock or talk about certain lore things and talk about Harry Potter fandom community. And I would say, you know, like that's like, that is me. That's I'm, I would like be friends with that person in real life. Um, and you know, even though it wasn't necessarily a one-to-one connection, it still gave me that sense of community that I really needed. Um, and that sense of like, you are not alone. You know, there are other people out there like you who think the way that you do and don't think you're weird because you want to get really deep on Harry Potter lore. Um, And I, you know, was immersed in that for a long time. And it was really positive for me because it was a way for me to see myself in people, especially like older people who still loved Harry Potter. Because a lot of like Harry Potter YouTubers at that time were like, like college age and older. Um, And so I was like, oh, I am not just a weird 13 year old who loves Harry Potter. I um am part of this larger this much larger community that loves Harry Potter and doesn't care that other people think it's weird I love the idea because I found it to be true too um 
when I was, I'm a little older than you, but I was in the same place where when I first discovered Harry Potter, I was pretty young and I kind of lurked in the forums, but didn't reach out. But knowing that you are a part of a larger community, that you have a place in in cyberspace and fandom among other people, um, even if you're not having conversations directly with other people, there's a definite kinship that springs around uh, observing another online community like that. Absolutely. In, in addition, addition to online uh, relationships and interaction, you mentioned you've had some really valuable uh, moments in real life with other Potter fans. And I just am curious what those, what those times were like. Um, so I, ever since I've been into Harry Potter, I have been into Wizard Rock, uh, which was, you know, thriving around the period that I really started to get into it. Um, and I was, you know, poking around the Harry and the Potters website, uh, in like late 2010. And I look on their website for their concerts and they are playing a show in Boston on my birthday. Uh, because my birthday is a week before Christmas. And so uh, the uh, Yule Ball had been happening um, at Boston, in Boston, but also a couple of other places for years, which I didn't know. But I looked and I saw they were playing the Yule Ball in Boston uh, on my birthday. And I said, Mom, we have to go see this Harry Potter band on my birthday. Um, And so I went to the Yule Ball and I saw Harry and the Potters and I saw the Whomping Willows and um, Potter Puppet Pals all perform. It was a Sunday night, so I couldn't stay for the whole show because I was it was my 12th birthday and I still had to go back home so I could go to school in the morning. Um, But I have been going to those shows pretty much every year since. And especially as I've gotten older, it is such a valuable experience for me because Um, Not only do I love the music, but it really is a physical manifestation of Harry Potter fandom as a whole. And one thing that I think a lot of the people who go to those shows have in common is we all we all want to be in that same room with people who all love Harry Potter. And I think for me, one of the biggest takeaways from the Harry Potter books is the statement, you know, the weapon we have is love, is that love in all its forms, whether it be romantic or platonic or familial familial or whatever, is the most powerful force in the world. Um, and so being in that space with all of those people who hold that same value as close as I do is, I use the word electric to describe it because there's really nothing else accurate enough to say, to describe it. Um, especially because in recent years, as the political climate has become what it is, um, and with the Harry Potter Alliance being active, um, especially at these at these events, uh, people come in kind of um, ready to like people are kind of angry sometimes, but also like ready have energy to. Um, unite with other people who share their values and it's just a it's so much fun but i also find it so energizing it's like it's um i find that it like i i get recharged by it every year and i look so forward to it and i carry the energy that i get from those events with me for the rest of the year because it's so powerful and it's so positive and it's just 
I mean, I know I've said a lot of words, but I, it's indescribable. It's, uh, just, it's something I value so much. And the fact that it all has stemmed from the Harry Potter community is something that I just, I just, I just love being there. It's wonderful. That sounds wonderful. And I, I love the idea that this maybe a once a year, every few months kind of gathering, whatever, whatever anybody has with their own kind of Potter community, but every once in a while you can get together with these people. And like you said, it gives you the energy to, it recharges you, you know, there's, there's something that fills up your cup for a really long time. Um, Like for some people that's, you know, like the holiday season or maybe a family reunion, but a lot of us find this in Harry Potter. And I, I, I love that. I love how you describe that feeling. With all of these experiences with the Potter community and friends and the books themselves and your family, I just want to know if there are any major lessons or values, anything that's really stuck with you thanks to the Harry Potter series. I mean, because I, like, didn't grow up, I didn't grow up with the books in the way that people say that they grew up with Harry Potter, but I really did grow up in the Harry Potter fandom. I developed as a person while I was so entrenched in this culture. And I think that really kind of imprinted onto me. Um, And I definitely find that like, now in my adult life, I can say that the things that I value the most are things that I think I've been taught by Harry Potter and by the fandom. Um, like I said earlier, one of the biggest takeaways I think from the from the series is that um, love is extremely powerful. And I find that that is something that I really carry with me. Um, that's something that is like very much integral to my kind of philosophy of life. And because I was looking for kind of my house identity for so long as a kid, um, that um, the values of Hufflepuff are the values that I hold closest, partially because that's just who I am, but partially because that's the way that I identified myself for so long that it really started to become true for me, is that I really do value kindness and friendship and loyalty and honesty and hard work. Um, And so now I find that saying that I am a Hufflepuff is kind of the uh, quickest way that I can say to someone, this is who I am and this is what is important to me. I love that. I, it reminds me of the idea that the things that you that you repeatedly say about yourself, the things that you surround yourself with are capable of changing, you know, who you are and how you feel. Um, not, not necessarily in a bad way. You know, there are things like labeling theory where it's, if you call someone a criminal, they become a criminal. But, you know, if you call yourself a Hufflepuff and you kind of learn to become a Hufflepuff, it works the opposite way. And how important it is to continually surround yourself uh, with positive words and a positive community um, that, you know, that, that has so much power. Like you said, aside from the, like (laughs) the amazing powers of love and all of those kinds of things, um, is there, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice or anything else that you want to share? Um, 
I guess, um, I mean, I guess one thing that I think is important to share in talks about mental health is that, like, I didn't just find my identity in Harry Potter and then everything was cool and everything was fixed. Like, I still am, like, have been struggling with mental health and with kind of, you know, like, perfectionism issues in regard to my grades ever since then, even though I have found, you know, positive ways to um, positive ways to deal with that and to kind of, um, make myself feel better in a way. Uh, but I think it's important to emphasize that like the mental health journey isn't linear. It's not like one thing happens and you get better or like you just constantly are getting better and better and better until you're fixed. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 I know that sounds a little bit negative, but like, I think a lot of, people can find themselves um saddened if they like go to therapy one time and they're not all better um and so I just think it's important to say that like however long it takes for you to um get in a better place with your mental health that's how long it takes for you um and there's no there's no kind of right way to uh, there's there's no one right way to recover and there's no one path to take. Um, and, you know, the end could be a year from now or the end could be five years from now or the end could be tomorrow. Um, and all of those are valid and okay. Thank you for that. That is very, very important to remember. Um, I, how you phrased it is absolutely perfect. It's not a linear journey. It's not going to be a straight path. It's going to be different shapes and sizes for everybody. And thank you so much for sharing that. That's a really important thing to keep in mind for everyone's mental health journey. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing all of your stories with us. And um, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you all for listening to my interview with Sarah. Sarah, thank you for sharing your story. Today, I am giving a huge shout out to our patron, Jeffrey San Gabriel. Jeffrey, thank you for supporting the show and being a part of the Beyond the Veil community. If you want to join the Beyond the Veil Patreon community, you can find us at patreon.com slash beyondtheveilpod. For those of you who would like to share your story with the podcast, please fill out our form or email us at beyondtheveilpod at gmail.com and we will get back to you as soon as possible so you can join us as a guest on the show. Join me next time for another conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care.